Let's turn our Bible this morning to the book of 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter number 1, 1 Timothy chapter number 1, and as always, the music has been a blessing, and I look forward to the Word of God this morning, the preaching of it. 1 Timothy chapter number 1, and I am going to bring the message this morning from the first two verses of the first chapter uh, of the book of 1 Timothy, and so follow along with me as I read this morning, and we'll see what God has for us uh, from His Word. First Timothy chapter number 1, uh, we'll begin reading with verse number 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope unto Timothy, my own son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father in Jesus Christ our Lord. Uh, the book of First Timothy and then, of course, Second Timothy uh, is a letter, an epistle from the Apostle Paul uh, to the young preacher Timothy. And uh, the Apostle Paul was used, of course, in a great and mighty way and certainly used to pen several books of the New Testament. And uh, we see a relationship between Paul and Timothy, and there is a lot that Paul is going to give as far as instruction uh, while under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to Timothy. But I want to narrow the message down to the first two verses this morning. And uh, something caught my eye uh, as I was reading through this book of the Bible. And uh, just a thought that, that, that grabbed a hold of me. And there's much that we can see in just these two simple verses. On the surface, it just looks as one preacher is addressing another. And that is certainly true. But inside that address, there is many things for us to see and know about Paul and Timothy, but also remind us uh, the church today. In verse number one, we find Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. We find the author of this letter, the author of this epistle. Verse number two, unto Timothy, my son in the faith. We find to whom... Uh, this letter is being addressed to. My message this morning is just simply entitled, From Paul to Timothy. From Paul to Timothy. Let's ask the Lord to help us. Father, I pray this morning uh, that you'll use the Word of God to speak to us, instruct us. May the Spirit of God work in each heart, even now. Uh, Father, if there's one lost, unsaved, unsure of their eternity, uh, may even now they begin to uh, realize their need of a Savior, realize that Jesus is the only Savior. He's the only way to you. And Father, I pray that uh, they would be under conviction so that they would put their faith and trust in Christ and what He did on Calvary. Father, I pray that for your church this morning, this would be an encouraging message. Already the music has been such a blessing, the songs, the focus. And Father, may this message be just uh, timely in your, the encouragement and the challenge for your church. We ask your will to be done, for it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. We find a very unique relationship recorded in Scripture between the Apostle Paul and his son in the faith, his convert, if you will, uh, this mentoring relationship between the older man of God and the younger man of God. There's many fascinating relationships like this in Scripture, but to me this is one of the most fascinating and perhaps the uh, favorite that I have to look at and to study, and certainly uh, as the as a pastor of a New Testament Baptist church, a New Testament church, 
uh, I see uh, much instruction for you and I. We find this unique relationship in the Bible that is an unlikely relationship, but it's a relationship that God put together. And certainly the Apostle Paul was instrumental in the life of Timothy, in his salvation, in his work for the Lord. And just as a side this morning, aren't you, aren't you thankful that God puts people in our lives to be a help to us? God puts people in our lives uh, to uh, be a blessing to us. God puts people in our life to tell us of the great news of salvation. God puts people in our life to invite us to the house of God. God puts people in our life to encourage us in the Lord and to challenge us to do more for Him. And I'm reminded by this relationship of those that the Lord has allowed to cross my path, both for them to be a blessing to me and hopefully for me to be a blessing to them. But we find many things in this relationship, and Lord willing, tonight I'll preach on a a different aspect from this book of the Bible. But I want to focus this morning on the first two verses of this great book of the Bible. And literally, we find on the surface, we find from Paul to Timothy. We find who the letter is from, and we find to whom the letter is written. But I don't want us to lose several things this morning that we find in the midst of these first two verses. While it is true, Paul is the author. While it is true, Timothy is the intended recipient. Fast forward all these thousands of years and the Holy Spirit of God is speaking to His church through this same passage of Scripture. And there are some things that I want us to see this morning to be reminded of from the life of Paul, the life of Timothy, and their unique relationship. Let me, first of all, point out, number one, there is a testimony and a calling of the Apostle Paul. Notice what Paul tells us about himself. Notice what Paul reminds Timothy of uh, when we see that testimony and calling. Look in your Bible again at verse number 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope, we find the testimony of the apostle Paul as a saved man as a redeemed man, as one who had seen Christ and had a a rendezvous with Christ. And may I call to attention this morning uh, when Paul was converted. He was Saul of Tarsus, and he became Paul the apostle on that Damascus road uh, when he ran head on into the Lord Jesus Christ, and he went from persecutor to preacher. And only the Lord Jesus Christ can do that. And aren't you thankful if you're saved this morning of the change that was made in you? And we may not have a testimony like the Apostle Paul. And it's certainly not my testimony. I didn't grow up burning down churches and imprisoning saints and, and killing people. And I'm thankful that's not my testimony. But, but we don't have a testimony like Paul. But what a change that God made in the man Paul, and let me just remind all of us, it doesn't matter what man has done, Jesus can still save them, Jesus can still redeem them, Jesus can clean them up and put them on a new path. That's the power of salvation. What a testimony Paul has. Not my testimony. But you know, my testimony is kind of boring. I was born into a Christian home, pastor's home. I was brought to church before I could even remember being brought to church. I was grew up in a church nursery. Then it was on to the kindergarten, and then the 
children's church, and my whole life has been spent in church. I, my testimony this morning, I, I never went out and tried the world. I'm not saying I was, a, I was perfect. I'm not saying I didn't make mistakes. I, I never tried any of those things. Never was an appeal to me. But can I tell you what happened when I was four years of age? I realized that my sin, which may not have been like the Apostle Paul's sin, would still send me to hell. And I needed just as much of Jesus as the worst sinner that you and I could describe would need of Jesus. And I put my faith and trust in Christ as simple as I, simply as I possibly could. My faith, I believed in Him. I knew I needed salvation. I knew I needed a, a, a Savior. I knew I was a sinner on my way to hell because that's what I deserved. And I heard that all I had to do was trust Christ for my salvation believe in what he did, and I could be saved. And the same miracle that took place on the Damascus Road took place in my life. We all have a testimony of salvation. I hope we have a testimony of salvation. This would be a good time for me to pause right here and, and, and get all of us to think back to when we got saved. I shared just very briefly my testimony, but what if I this morning was to take the time to go around the room and have each person give their personal testimony? Give the circumstances around when they were convicted by the Holy Spirit. They realized they were a sinner. And they put their trust in Christ. Wouldn't that be an amazing thing to hear the salvation story of all the people in this building this morning. But when we got to you, would you have a testimony? Would you be able to go back to a time when you put your faith in Christ? I'm not talking about when you joined the church. I'm not talking about when you decided to turn over a new leaf. I'm not talking about even when you got baptized. I'm talking about when you realized you were a sinner, you had no hope, there was nothing you could do to escape the judgment that had been placed on you, and you realized that Jesus had paid that price, unless you have a time that you can go back to, perhaps you're still in the need of salvation this morning. But we find a testimony of the Apostle Paul. You know, Paul never got over being saved. He always was aware of what he was before Christ found him. I don't think we should dwell there, but I think this morning it would be good for all of us to be reminded of what we were before Christ found us. I say, Pastor, you were saved out of the church nursery. What in the world did you do? Oh, you can wreak some havoc in a church nursery, let me tell you. You can wreak some havoc in a kindergarten class. I, I promise you that. There's a reason why they put those fire alarms way up here now. They're not way down here anymore. But you realize that I needed a Savior just like I don't ever want to get over. I'm thankful that I, I was born to a Christian home. I'm thankful that I was saved at a young age. But I don't ever want to get over the fact that before I got saved, I was a sinner with no hope a sinner who would die and go to hell from the church pew if I'd never put my hope and faith in Christ. 
we find a testimony of the Apostle Paul. Paul wanted to remind Timothy of his testimony. From, Tim, from Paul to Timothy. Paul, who has a Savior. Paul, who's the saved now. But there's also the calling. Paul says, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Paul understood the calling that God had placed on his life. God, Paul understood what he saved him from and what he set him on a path to do. And I, I think it would be great for us to allow the Apostle Paul to remind us of our testimony, to remind us of our day of salvation, but to also remind us that he saved us what he saved us from and what he's called us to. You and I don't have the same calling as the Apostle Paul. You and I, though, have the same calling in the sense that every child of God has a purpose that they are to fulfill for their God. And you and I are not just to be a good steward as we spoke of in Sunday school. We certainly That certainly applies. But you and I have a responsibility as part of God's church and a role that only we can fulfill. Each and every one of us, and that's one of the wonderful things, one of the wonderful things to be a part of a church is you certainly have people to pray for you. You have times of fellowship. You hear the word of God preached. But we all have a part that we can do for God in his church. And he reminds Timothy of his salvation. He reminds Timothy of his calling. He reminds him of the Savior that he had persecuted and now he serves. May I remind you this morning of your conversion? May I remind you of your calling? We're all called to pray for one another. We're all called to be a witness. We're all called to be a light. That's the calling on all of us. I bring this out, and I point this out to you and I, because as Paul writes this letter, it becomes very obvious that his testimony and his calling was his identity. It was just part of his vernacular. It was just part of his conversation to talk about his Savior. It was second nature to speak of his calling. What a standard for you and I. What a message for you and I today that our identity, while positionally and doctrinally is in Christ as a child of God, our position, it should just be, it's just our identification. It's just who we are. I often find myself, maybe, maybe this has happened to you, I'm, 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 I'm doing it in a, in a place of business, and whether I'm checking out of the grocery store or someplace else, or, 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 I, or I happen to be drugged into a Taco Bell for some reason, I don't know, and, and, I, and I'm doing business, and I try and be friendly and talk to the person there, and, and, and they tell you, how's your day going? Everybody been nice today? Oh, yeah, everybody's been nice. And it's just happening for me to say, praise the Lord. Or this is on sale. It's buy one, get one free at Taco Bell. Praise the Lord. And sometimes it's like, well, amen. I'm like, okay, come on, sister. Let's, 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 have, a, let's have a revival meeting right here. But sometimes those eyes get real big. I don't know how to respond to that. It's who I am. 
how sad would it be for us to leave the church house on Sunday and have to change who we are to fit into where we go? God never intended it for it to be that way. And might I also say how sad for a child of God on Sunday morning to change who they are to fit into the house of God. Now, none of us are worthy of salvation. None of us are worthy of God's love. I'll reiterate that. There's nobody here better than anybody else. I don't think I have to say that this morning, but I'm going to, I said it, and it's good for us to hear. There's nobody here better than anybody else. We all needed the Savior. But when Paul was converted, Paul was converted. When Paul accepted his calling, his conversion and his calling became his identity. This very well could be the whole message this morning. Is your conversion and your calling your identity? Or do we have a different identity? Uh, it was who he was. I hope you don't have one way of speaking at the church and another way of speaking in the world. I hope for the child of God, we, we're not living two different lives based on where we are. You didn't know there was this much in from Paul to Timothy. But it was just who Paul was. You know, I wonder what happened in this world if every Christian's identity was such as Paul's. I can't help it, but I have to talk about how good God's been. I can't help it, but I have to talk about, you know, if you, if you talk to somebody, you know, church ought to come up. That invitation ought to come up. If people you work with find out you go to church, they should not be shocked. No. There's no way. Or sign me up if you go to church. It shouldn't be a shock. Now, I don't think you have to take a pulpit to where you work. But at the same time, who is our identity in? Statement number two this morning we find from, from Paul to Timothy. We find Christ our hope. Notice that last part of verse 1. An apostle of Jesus Christ by the commandment of God our Savior. He realized his calling was a commandment of God. And Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope? This morning, might I say, I love the Emmanuel Baptist Church, but my hope is not in the Emmanuel Baptist Church. My hope is in Christ. Christ is our hope. And even in the midst of this conversation, Paul wanted to remind Timothy of who everything centered around. It centers around the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul, as we've studied in time studies past, Paul was zealous in the faith. Paul was busy in the faith. Paul was on borrowed time in his mind, and there's much that I want to get done for the cause of Christ, and he compelled everybody to do the same. And so he just wanted to be very clear that it all centered around Jesus, and because he is the focus, he is our hope. And you and I should be reminded this morning that 
He is our hope. Maybe this morning a better question, a more pointed question is this. Who is your hope in? Or what is your hope in? There's much going on in our world today in those that are, that are the greatest, greatly disappointed in those that are throwing up their hands today or those who have their hope in the wrong place. My hope is in Christ. Christ is our hope, and that's why it is more important for you and I in the day we live to be about our identity, about our, our conversion, our calling, because we live in a world with no hope. I could not imagine what it would be like to, to live like a lost person in the world today with all the fear and all the, all the danger and all of the, all, all of the sorrow that's in this world. As a child of God, you and I can look to the Word of God and say, we know God is in control. We know God has been not surprised. We know Christ is coming again. And these events are just getting us closer and closer. But could you imagine being someone who has no hope? But he reminds Timothy, Christ, our hope. May I just challenge us this morning to remember your hope. Especially in this day as we, it should be our identity talking about Christ and what Christ has done for us, but in a world with no hope, let's share our hope with the world. Um, you know, how many of you are your hopes in Christ this morning? Okay, when you go out in public, tell your face. You know, it's like, oh, God's so good. Can you believe what's going on? Jesus is coming back again. You know, if, if all the world ever saw was you, how much hope would they have? Let's, let's remember our hope. Christ is our hope. Our hope is in Him. I cannot control the events of this world. I cannot even control the, many of the events of my own life. But there's one thing I do know, that my future is secure because of who my hope is in. I know that everything's going to be okay because of where my hope is. My hope is not in a mortal man. My hope is in the immortal one. My hope is not in a system in this world. My hope is in the one sent from above. And just in a simple correspondence, we're not even out of verse 2. We're not even out of the heading of this letter and the identification of who the letter is from and who the letter is addressed to. In the center of their relationship is the hope, the Lord Jesus Christ. It should be what our life centers around. This morning before I move to the next point, let me ask the question again. Who or where is your hope? And if your hope has been placed in the wrong place, I invite you today, let's put our hope where it belongs. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, put your hope in Him. As a child of God, don't put your hope in anything in this world. Keep your hope in Him. He was your hope for salvation. He, he's coming again. Uh, number three, we find a relationship in the faith. This is just helpful to me and fascinating to me. Verse 2, unto Timothy, my own son in the faith. Paul was a man who spent much of his days and energy and focus 
into destroying the church. Many Christians were martyred at the hand of Saul before he was converted. Churches shuddered in fear at the mention of this man. It was his whole focus was to shut down the church of God. He didn't have time to do anything else. He didn't have the desire to to have anything else. It was his focus. And when Christ converted him, his focus with all the zeal to destroy the church, all that zeal was translated into building his church. This young man, Timothy, was reared by a godly mother and a godly grandmother. Not much is known about his father. Probably that either he had died or either he was a lost man. Enter in the Apostle Paul, and Paul entered into his life when Timothy was very, very young and instrumental in his growth in the faith. And while Paul did not have a physical son of his own, and at this time in his life, Timothy did not have a physical father of his own, God used their relationship with Christ to form a relationship with themselves. And it is through God's church that God provided a mentor for the young man, Timothy, who did not have one. And God provided a young man for the Apostle Paul to invest in. Because it would be Paul who would write in just a few chapters about the importance of passing the faith from faithful man to faithful man. Well, if you're a faithful man, you got to have a faithful man to pass it to. And it's in the relationship with Christ and through His church that in the faith, there is a great relationship. And aren't you thankful again for those that God has put in your life through the faith? And He is allowed to enter into our lives and they get to be a blessing to us and we get to be a blessing to them and And those have invested into us, and so we can turn and invest into someone else. It's the family of God. I feel sorry, and and I say this in the most sincere way, I feel sorry for those who are outside the family of God, Well, first of all, because of the future that they have in paying for their own sins. But I feel sorry for those who don't know what it's like to have a church family. They don't know what it's like to have a group of people that when we need those prayers are willing to pray for us. They don't know what it's like to have those people when they have a need to step in and meet that need. Or just be the influence, be the one to stand in the gap when the gap needs to be filled. I bring all this out because it reminds us of what we can do. Well, my children have already been reared, Pastor. Well, there might be somebody who doesn't have a, a dad or a mom to be that influence for them. Or vice versa. You know, we, in the family of God, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. What a, what a weird-looking family this is. Would you realize that we belong to the family of God? 
And that's why, let me just insert this, that's why it grieves the heart of the Heavenly Father when you have a brother against a brother, a sister against a sister, because we're part of God's family. Do you realize today that you had an opportunity and you still have an opportunity to be a blessing to someone? Sometimes our own flesh and blood, they don't understand, they get upset because, and they make these statements like, well, you treat those people you go to church with more like family than your real family. Well, if they understood what it was like to be part of God's family, then they would understand. What an opportunity to have a relationship, a personal relationship, with a greater bond than even blood. They had this through their faith in Christ. We have, a, we have a wonderful thing God's given us in our church family. A wonderful thing. Might I encourage you this morning to, to determine never to take it for granted? Not everybody has a church family like we have. Not everybody can lean on one another like we can. Not everybody's got that person, and they may not even know who they are, but you see them sitting where they sit in the choir. You, they see them at their post-serving. They give a smile when they give it, or they get, greet you hello, and they, 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 they pat you on the back when you walk by. It lifts your spirit, and we don't even know how we affect one another, but Paul reminds us of a relationship he and Timothy had, and it was through the, it was through the faith. It was through one another. Might I also encourage us this morning to invest in other people? Oh, God didn't save us just to sit, to serve, to be a blessing, to be a help, to be an encouragement. We don't understand how important we are to somebody else. I was last night. My wife and I were out of town for a couple of days and got back in town yesterday. And so I got home and I have one daughter, of course, that's out of the house. I have two daughters still at home and that's, that's enough. Um, we had a, I had a meeting here late yesterday afternoon and on my way home, I called my wife and I said, I said, get Addie ready. We're going to go eat. And so I went home and picked up Addie. We went out and spent some time together. It was, it was not Taco Bell, but it was Mexican food. I got home, and by that time, Anna had been out selling candy. Anna gets home, and, and uh, I was like, Anna, you want to go, go on a walk? So we, she's like, sure. So we went out, we went on a walk, and I forget how the conversation came about, but we were talking about school, and she's a senior this year, finishing school, and and in college next year, and all these things, and and somehow, um, subjects started, oh, I know what it was, she's like, I'm looking forward to taking those classes and the degree she wants to take next year, and I said, well, you know, you know there's English, too, and the conversation just tanked, <laughs> we were quiet for the next mile and a half, and so she, she made some comments, I'm not saying if they're good or bad about English, but I just, you know, I like to show off from time to time. I just, I said, you know, I still know my, well, this is what it was. I was like, you know, it's Mrs. Triplett. You know, she's the English teacher. 
and we're, we're quite another mile and a half. Because um, if you know, you know. So she's like, oh, I know. And, I, and so I started, I, just, I started just reciting all of my verbs that I can still recite, and as are, was, were. Be, being, been, have, has, had, may, might, must, can, could. I said I didn't like her, but I can say my helping verbs. <laughs> I make that illustration, one, to point out how mean Mrs. Triplett is. <laughs> Actually, that's the whole point of the illustration, so we'll... <laughs> and by all of your response, you, you understand. No, it's to... We were talking about teaching and what the future and all those things, and talked about the ones who you may not understand, but that you learn. And now I, I, use, I use the English language all the time. Did you know that? I write. And it's interesting that those who invested in me, because they had to, well, it's amazing how God allows things to just come around. And not to say something that now she works for me and I have not fired her. What, what a joy that we have to be able to be a part of each other's life and to invest in one another. That's one illustration. Of course, you know that I grew up here and now I pastor the church that I, was, I grew up in, which is, which is a blessing and sometimes a curse, but it, it's... It's unique. That's just one illustration, and we could go around the room. Many of you could give testimony to somebody who's made an impact on you. They don't even know they've made an impact on them. What a joy that is that one day when that's revealed of a blessing that you could be and you were to others. It also makes us reminded of who have we helped get into the family of God? Who have we helped grow in the family of God? We know Paul had Timothy. I think it's good for each of us to think this morning, who do we have? If you still got family, if you still got children in your house, that's your greatest responsibility is to train them in the way they should go. They'll decide whether they'll go or not. They should be trained in that way. We find a relationship in the faith, and then number four, and I'll spend the remainder of my time here, and I don't have really any time left. We find the gifts from God. Notice before I read verse number 2 again, we have from Paul to Timothy, we have Paul's testimony and his calling. It just comes out as who he is. We have Christ our hope. It's, it's about Him. It's a reminder, even in correspondence, this is who it's about. This is who the work of God's about. And as I've announced already this morning several times, in, in the very near future, we are embarking into construction and, and building things. And, and in the midst of all of that, let's all be reminded now, it is about Christ. Why do we do those things? Why don't we just content just to sit and be thankful for what we have? Because we want to reach more people for Christ. There are lost men, there are lost women, there are lost children who need the Lord. 
There are families who need that hope and need that future and need that guidance from the Word of God of how to have a strong marriage and how to rear their children according to the things of God. It's all about Him. There's a relationship. There's relationships we have, but I want to end with the gifts from God. Verse number 2, Unto Timothy, my own son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father in Jesus Christ our Lord. He mentions... Grace, mercy, and peace. And he mentions where they are from. And this is not the point I want to make, but I do want to make this point this morning. You can't find those three words, grace, mercy, and peace, at Walmart. You can't find them out in this world. You can't hashtag them on social media and it just happens. Grace, mercy, and peace come from one place, God Himself. This is a world that looks for peace and will never find it because they're looking outside God. There are people today who cannot understand why they haven't found grace. It's because they're looking for it outside of God. There are men screaming for mercy today, and there's no mercy to be found. Why? Because it cannot be found outside of God. As a child of God this morning, I enjoy grace, mercy, and peace. It is nothing that I've done of myself. It is all a gift from God. And if each of us were to testify this morning, and we have experienced grace, we have experienced mercy, we have peace, we would have to say to God be the glory because we didn't find it in this world. We didn't find it down at the grocery store. You couldn't go out and earn that. It was just given from God. Very quickly, grace. Grace, of course, through salvation, that unmerited favor. If you're saved today, you didn't deserve your salvation. It was given by God. But not just grace and salvation, grace to grow. Paul was who he was because of grace. His conversion was an act of grace. But to think that the man who had been persecuting churches, God would use to advance his church, only the grace of God could do that. You think about what you and I get to do for the cause of Christ. We're not worthy. We're not equipped except to be equipped by the grace of God. And there's some of you, if, 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 if God could have told you or I could have told you when you first got saved or when you first came to church, this is what you're going to be doing, you'd have left right then. Because you couldn't see how you could do that except, isn't that right, Marcus? How did you get up there? How does that happen? The grace of God. It's a gift from Him. I don't know how I could ever do that. I can tell you how. The grace of God. Paul was who he was because of God's grace. Think about this. Timothy would would be who he would become by the same way. The grace of God. Mercy. We have grace to grow. We have mercy in our failures. You think you've got a guilty conscience? You think the devil uses your past on you? 
You think he ever visited the Apostle Paul? How will these people listen to you preach and talk about the importance of the church when you burned them? Oh, I know he's a Bible character, so therefore he wasn't flesh and blood and didn't go through the same things we went through. I guarantee you, the devil visited him more than once and brought up his past. Paul, while certainly I can't speak for you, but I can speak for me, he was a much greater Christian than I am, but he would still speak of his failures and the gift of God of mercy in our failures. Let me remind all of us, we can strive to be like Christ, and we should, but we will fail. We can strive to serve Him, but we will fail. We can strive to be the Christian we should be, but we will fail. We can strive to be the husband, the wife, but we will fail. We can strive to be the parent we should be, but we will fail. We can strive to be the friend that this book teaches us that we should be, but we will fail. Aren't you thankful that there's a gift from God called mercy that in our failures, He does not discard us. He reminds us, just don't quit. God is, is quick to forgive and to accept us back. The third gift I mentioned very quickly is peace in trials. Grace to grow, mercy in failure, and peace in trials. You don't have to study very deep into the life of the Apostle Paul to understand he experienced the trials. All God's people, all God's children experience trials. But as Paul, and I specifically think of the book of 2 Timothy and Certainly in several places, Paul refers to his beatings. He refers to his imprisonments. He refers to his shipwrecks. And he almost sounds happy about it. But no doubt, he had to endure those trials. He speaks of the thorn in his flesh that he prays, God, will you take it away? God, will you take it away? God, will you take it away? And three times God told him no and said, my grace is sufficient for thee. In his trials, he could still be content. He could still be happy. He could have peace. You can't find that out there. You can't find that anywhere, but when God grants it through salvation, through service, through the will of God, we can have peace in our storms. We can have peace in our service. We can have peace in our stand. I close, I'm out of time, from Paul to Timothy. If you and I were to correspond with someone, would they know of our conversion? They know of our call. We go out in this world. Are people aware that there's... They may not know what it is, but they're aware there's something different. It should be. Let's let this salutation, let's let this opening paragraph of this letter 
speak to the church today. If you're here this morning and you don't have a testimony, you've never put your faith and trust in Christ, you can have one. You can trust Christ today. You can put your faith in Him. This, this, this room, is this church is full of examples of men and women who couldn't save themselves, but by the grace of God. Let's allow the Lord to work in our heart today. Father, we pray.